keep, I sound like the old grandpa now. It's like, these kids these days. You have gray hair. But I, but I did the same. Thank you. Appreciate it. I do. Talking of the hair, though, we have the, we have the, I mean, the three stages I mean, I mean, of. That's uh, I, I will s- the three stages. Talk about, you talk about quitting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Today on Pod Have Mercy, like, subscribe, smash the five star smash button. Smash the fives. We, this is the thing we're learning. You have to like unapologetic. Yeah, you get a coupon <laughs> for Shipley's codes? Donuts. We're we got Shipley's and Southwells awesome. today. Wonderful because. Houston uh, opportunities for everybody. So uh, yeah, so today uh, Matt and I are joined by my good friend Chris Colcorst. And Chris is his doing his day job, managing director at Higginbotham. That's right. And that's my understanding: insurance, financial, HR, a little bit of everything. Basically, little. yeah. If there's an individual or a small business, medium size, medium sized business that has insurance needs, we have people that offer those products and try to convince them to use you instead of the next guy. But yeah, that's the. That's the career I chose after being a failed minor league baseball player. <laughs> well, and so awesome. uh, Chris also played on the, he was a member of the 2003 National Championship Rice Baseball Team. He was drafted by the San Diego Padres in 2004. So play a little, did it make it to the big leagues? or the Double A. Double A, that's so good. I mean. You're doing a great job. You want me to talk? Or? No, this is good. This this is what this is hey, what Go- this is what Google. We're gonna see when I hit the wall here on Google. It's gonna get. It's like, oh no, I, I didn't That's do that. It. You're just running through all my material. <laughs> well, no, we're we got stuff to talk about. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Well, this is this is a good story. So, I was very fortunate to go to Rice, and I hit it at the right time. Where Rice has had some success prior to. My class of players, so big names like Lance Burtman, Jose Cruz Jr., wow. um, and they got to Omaha but didn't, weren't able to win it all. Anyway, we did won the national championship 2003, my junior year. We had four guys get drafted in the first round, so as a result of that, there was a lot of scouts in the stands watching those pitchers, and so all the position players got drafted. Well, fast forward, my wife and I went to high school, but we – did not date through college. We went on a few what I thought amazing dates. It's Valentine's Day. Let's talk about love. So I really thought we should have dated in high school. She did not. And uh, so she went to the University of Texas. I went to Rice. We reconnected at the end of our senior year. Rice has a finals break and a rule where you can't play for a week. And we reconnected then. Anyway, get drafted, go play minor leagues. We get engaged my first year. And she comes to spring training with me. And the first thing, not the first thing, but she realizes real quickly, she goes, I thought you were going to make more money. <laughs> and I said, what, that $800 a, buck, $800 a month minor league salary doesn't impress you? <laughs> this uniform's awesome, though, yeah. right? And I all mean, the chicken wings you can eat, People give babe. their left leg to play this game. <laughs> so, yeah, I got to double A, and I hated it. It was mm-hmm. a good opportunity, thankful to be able to do it, but I made the decision that I would try to see if this rice degree was worth something. It, yeah. I didn't want them telling me uh, I wasn't any good at 32, so I made that decision at 24. Yeah, well. So your wife's Anne-Marie. That's it. Two yeah. beautiful kids, Coy and Sydney. Coy and Sydney. So Coy's 15 and Sydney is 13. Two opposite children. Mm. That's always the case. Yeah. And one of the things I wanted to, you to come on and talk about your story and all this, but you also, and I've worked with Jeff, who produces our podcast here. You started a podcast about a year plus ago, I think, because I remember us talking about it. Right. And uh, it's called Grit Men. That's it. And your nickname 
in college and was grit man. That's right. And what I'm fascinated to talk about, and I'll tell you why I think we're really interested in it, is that you say your podcast is dedicated to the preservation and advancement of grit, something you believe is on the verge of extinction. And Mm -hmm. so you have these interviews, you talk with a lot of folks about grit, whether it's in culture, news, sports, a lot of sports um, stuff, which makes a lot of sense. But how how we can highlight grit and how that trait uh, comes into practice. And in your recent guests, I've just looked. You had uh, an entrepreneurial, a wine, a wine owner. Mm-hmm. Must have been when you traveled to Napa. See, this is how you write those things off. That's right. That's a really <laughs> smart. It was business. Do a little business. Grant Long. Uh, you've also had Houston Astro World Series champ Lance Berkman on for mm-hmm. a couple episodes. You've had PGA champion Ryder Cup hero Hal Sutton, former Astros manager Phil Garner, a lot of others. And so it's, it's interesting. We're going to talk about these. we come back to. I'm just trying to give people an introduction here. But one of the things that we've been talking about so far this year as we've started back is a lot about mental health. Mm-hmm. And actually, we had Dr. Kitty Harris from Texas Tech and Addiction Recovery, mm-hmm. who we spent uh, last week or two weeks ago talking about resiliency. Yeah, She's actually done this like study scientific study on resiliency so i thought man this fits so good because what i want to hear from you is what is grit yeah and why is it important perfect so i created a nickname for myself at rice as a joke grit man and g-r-i-t-m-a-m and it was kind of a joke but i wanted to be known as a teammate or a hard-nosed player someone that could be trusted I'd sacrifice for the team, whether that meant diving for a ball, sliding in hard, breaking up a double play, getting hit by a pitch. I wasn't the biggest guy, but I wanted to use every ounce of talent and ability I had. Mm. And so being a gritty player, mm-hmm. that's the serious side. The joke was that none of my teammates wanted to call me Grit Man. And so I created a nickname for myself, and it was just kind of an ongoing joke until we were about to go to Omaha in 2003. I had two teammates in particular that didn't like the name because they said a grit man at that time I had hair and I think I had some highlights and <laughs> uh, and I didn't dip snuff because they in their mind a grit man had to chew tobacco so I didn't fit the mold because it took a few dips and I would throw up every time so it wasn't for me you weren't red man you were a grit, <laughs> You're a grit exactly. man I'm like come yeah, on yeah. listen let me define what this grit man is so anyway I made a deal with them after a few cold beverages before we went to Omaha I said look if we go to Omaha and win it all Y'all have to call me Grit Man for the rest of your life. And I mean, we're just some dumb college kids. And they're like, yeah, we want it all. I'll call you whatever you want. <laughs> so lo and behold, we go and we beat University of Texas and we beat Stanford in the finals and we dogpile. And then I find those two guys and I say, what's my name? And they're like, Grit Man. <laughs> <laughs> so fast forward 20 years later, and it was during COVID. We have a place in Florida and I'm sitting on the beach and I'm thinking the world's going to end, probably like a lot of people, and all my clients are going to go out of business. What am I going to do? And I got this idea that I think I'm just going to write a, come up with a men's magazine, and I'm going to talk about hunting and fishing and being a good dad and best employee or boss you can be and maybe barbecue or bourbon and golf. And my wife's like, that is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. <laughs> They're magazines for all those things. I'm like, yes. yeah, but they're individual. No one's covering yeah. all those things. But anyway, she goes, why don't you, why don't you do a podcast? And I'm like, a podcast? First it's off, a new magazine. Yeah, I was like, I don't even know what that is. And though, <laughs> kudos to you. Saw you at the club and 
I said, hey, Pastor John, or Rev, I think, yeah. said, uh, you got a podcast. I don't know anything. Can you uh, connect me with somebody? And I said, I can connect I you know, with someone. And you did. Yeah. I know a so guy. Who knows how to do this. <laughs> And then, Jeff, and then I, producer then Jeff. I had a guy and he starts yeah. sending me Amazon links and you buy this and you buy that and there you go for you know 2500 bucks you can have a podcast folks there's not really barriers to entry and then you got to start talking and then you got to hear your voice and then, <laughs> <laughs> you got to edit and you got to get someone to come on and uh anyway so that's yeah, how yeah. the grit so where does grit come in so 20 years later it was not about grit man I thought collectively in society in the world we need more grit we need more strong men and I wanted to find unique stories of grit and just talk about it. And so started as an idea and kind of has got some momentum. We've done 12 episodes and we're about to do season two. So it's been That's fun. Great. So I, I was just looking some things up. You know, one person defined it as passion or perseverance, uh, stick-to-itiveness, this nagging conviction that keeps you pressing on when it seems easier to give back, get back people that, you know, get back on the horse and you fall off kind mm -hmm. of thing. But in, in your podcast, in, in, in interviews, you've, you've been able to interview some amazing people. Uh, so far, as you think about how you understand grit and resiliency and all these sort of things, I'm curious, what have you learned from your guests and your conversations about grit mm -hmm. that you, that you, you didn't know? before you had the conversations any of those conversations stand out to you where the light went on and like i really learned something from this guy or this or whoever yes the first three guests i had on it was interesting they all had a paper route as a kid and so i'm, I'm as i'm doing this i'm i'm trying to look for common denominators mm -hmm. or or how what's a future predictor of success or grit and so it's like dang i should have made my kids have a paper route <laughs> then i think every paper's out of business i don't know <laughs> Uh, but a lot of them are, are continuous learners, and so they're just mm. very curious by nature. Mm. And they're, uh, whether it's reading books or listening to podcasts or showing up at Sunday for a sermon, they, they want to be fed, and they um, their brain's working. So they didn't reach a point where they said, I know it all, I'm going to stop. It's getting up every day and trying to get a little bit better, whatever you may be working on, being a better dad being a better husband, uh, be a better golfer, whatever it is, some mm -hmm. passion that you can pursue and try to get a little better at. So that, that continual improvement mm -hmm. seems to be a part of one of, one of the characteristics. Interesting. When we talked to Dr. Kitty Harris, she explained to this, us this thing called structured style, right. which right. is a big part of resilient, resilient people have a structured style about them. Right. Yeah. And they, which basically is, is that there's a, there's kind of a flow to their day that like where you might have trauma or something bad that happens, but then you kind of like the, the importance of making your bed every day. Mm -hmm. You know, the, who was it? The five-star general that kind of did that, that uh, wrote college. a book called make your bed. Yeah. Make your bed. You know, that that's the, the starting off saying I'm going to, there's things I'm going to do every day that just kind of create a rhythm that then I do that lead into something else. Yeah. Like you were talking about, being a part of this right. F3 fitness boot camp mm -hmm. thing. Um, God bless you. That's, I'm just great. I'll, I'll be dreaming about you every morning. <laughs> 5.30. But, but, but that's something that you know, you start your day's accountability, and that mm -hmm. leads into something else, right? It leads into another. Yeah. Well, I think it's knowing your weakness, too. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, you have to be honest with yourself. And, like, if, I'm, if I don't tell someone I'm going to show up and say I'm going to be there at 5.30, well, then I may have another glass of wine the night before, or I may stay up 
watching whatever's on Netflix, you know, instead of just knowing, all right, I have to get up. I'm going to be there because I said I was going to be there. And so um, that's a big deal. I found one. That's an important point, too, because if you have that kind of structure, then you're more disciplined the night before going to bed. That's exactly what you said. And that becomes a part of your structure, which I think leads to resiliency as well. So in your interviews and your podcast, what's been your favorite? I don't want to put you on the spot because they're probably all, all your favorite. They're all your children. That's right. But are, 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 which, which has stood out to you where you just really like, this was awesome, this conversation or this person and what they said or something that really just... I'll give you a few. So the first one, I guess it was my, my first episode I've ever done. You know, probably remember, you don't, you don't know how it's going to go and you prepare and, and then you get in this and Sometimes they give you a two-word answer to a question you thought was gonna you know, <laughs> be great. <laughs> then you're scrambling. Oh no, our teaser for the season, <laughs> right? But Coach Would Graham you was great on that. Place? Yeah. So <laughs> Wayne Graham was the legendary coach at Rice, and he was old school. And so he was from that generation that he didn't tell you he loved you. Right? I mean, and you mm-hmm. could sense it every once in a while. But his way of showing his affection was to yell at you. And so he made us tougher playing for him we feared him but we also respected him and it was neat so when i'm interviewing i'm still somewhat scared of the guy because he used to make me feel this big when i played for him but i got to ask questions i never ask about his childhood because Mm, yeah i mean i just wanted him to write my name in the lineup (laughs) (laughs) and so to be able to have that comment when he was in his 80s now and to reflect back and Mm. and to see what made him who he is was neat uh Lance Bertman was cool. He's a funny guy. He's funny. He's a great interview. You should get him on. He'd do it. Uh, But I had to apologize to him because I think Lance gets a bad rap for because he's so funny and charismatic and he's a jokester. It's easy to think that he didn't work hard. Like his success was just just natural. God gave it to you. He showed up. Right. And so (laughs) I can't relate to you because God blessed you with a beautiful left-handed swing and now you're an all-star. But you know, he, he showed that success rarely happens by accident. Hmm. There's a reason. That That's actually a great point because there was something else I read, and I don't know if I made um, a note about it. Oh, yeah, I did actually. S- somebody wrote something about talent, smarts, being at the right place in the right time are all important, but they're not enough. Mm-hmm. And what this person said is grit actually may may be the most critical and crucial element because yeah. i've known people who've had all the talent in the world but very little drive right. or and they they'll do well but man they could do so much better it's like you're leaving a lot on the table for sure yeah it's almost like you'd rather like when i'm around folks that exude grit i'd rather be around somebody with grit than talent mm-hmm or at least be on their team, you know what I mean? Be connected to them in longer work because I figure a person with grit, we're going to figure it out, right? Uh, sure. We're going to, we're going to, we're not going to quit. We're, we're in it. Our hands are in it and together. Be honest with each other. Yeah. Hey man, I screwed that up. That right. one's on me. Let's do better. Let's not do that again. Yeah. All right. And, yeah. or, Hey, you know, I think you can do this a little better and you're not going to get your feelings hurt. Cause you know, probably coming from a genuine place, mm-hmm. right? Cause we're collectively trying to achieve something. Right. That's right. I agree with you. Yeah. Talent is great, but I mean, if you just keep going, getting a little better, a little better, a little mm-hmm. better, you you can win the race. That's what you always see about these great athletes like mm-hmm. Tiger Woods, you know, LeBron James, Michael Jordan, whatever. I mean, they have all the talent in the world, mm-hmm. but their, their work ethic. Oh, yeah. Like Tiger Woods is famous. There was a story about 
uh, years and years and years ago, um, he was walking through and John Daly was holding court in the locker room at like mid morning, drinking beers and smoking cigarettes. Yeah. And Tiger's got his workout going to the gym and Daly's like, what are you doing? Right. And Tiger was like, if I had as much natural talent as you do Daly, you know, <laughs> right. I wouldn't have to work so hard. And the point he was making is John Daly was immensely naturally talented. Yeah. But the difference in the way they approached what they did, that uh, was very different. No, for and, sure. Yeah. I mean, what is it? I read one of Tiger's books. His dad had him at three months strapped in a high chair, watching him hit balls. And then at a year he was hitting balls. I mean, it gets into the muscle memory and neuroscience, but you have to repeat something so many times before it becomes natural. <clears throat> Tiger was so far ahead of his peers at an early age, they were having to catch up with him. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't. I mean, he combines both. Natural talent and grit are a pretty good combination. That Yeah, but that works in one domain, like with his sports, but not so much in some of the character aspects of his own life that he ended up being able to, right, needing to work on. So I, I wonder how grit gets integrated into character, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so there's some grit. There's like natural athletes or right. folks that have to work hard. I'm just wondering, like raising kids that may not be, may not go to Rice mm-hmm. or may not be in um, the NFL, but you want to have stand in front of things that say, I'm not going to give up. Yeah. You know, so how do you teach? That's a good point because it's, it's a lot of times we think of it as athletes. Yeah, right. And and I and I learned grit in like in wrestling in high school. I would have never taken that way. It taught. I think. I think. I think sports teaches that. Good. But like, yeah. I played football and baseball in high school, and those lessons I didn't play continue on into college. But those lessons stick mm-hmm. with me forever. Yeah. I mean, no, good point. I'm we're a sports obsessed culture. Like mm-hmm. we love we love sports, yeah. and but it's. Um, so a lot of it's easy to just pull examples, but yes, there's there's just everyday examples of grit. And I mean, in business, I've personally got sued a couple times. I guess didn't make me a bad guy. Sometimes people bully you and try to mm-hmm. use the court system to get what they want. I had to show some grit. <clears throat> learned a lot of lessons. Lost mm-hmm. the remaining hair I had. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we don't have to get in the details there, but I mean, but you brought up. Uh, children mm-hmm. and so i'm having an interesting de- debate right now our daughter is eighth grade and she's going to be going to high school next year been a competitive gymnast that's all she ever wanted to do couldn't get her to play any other sport and she's probably probably could go and get a division two scholarship but she's very smart and I ask her is that something you want to do no daddy i don't I said okay well let's look at another sport you can play to be a part of something that's cheerleading is a natural fit Mm -hmm. and tryouts are in a couple weeks well she doesn't want to quit gymnastics and so sometimes i think it's okay to quit Mm. right i think it's an educated or it's just a decision you're not Mm. i want her to finish out the season yeah but then it's time to do something else. Yeah. 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 Knowing when a season is over, a time in your life is over is important too. I wonder, yeah. I wonder like, like learning to teach kids that we, you can do hard things, mm-hmm. right? That often um, we try to take the difficulty off of our kids so that they can, they can run farther, higher, fa- you know, where it's actually like being able to be in a family where the message is we, we can do hard things. Mm-hmm. 
is it's okay is a to part. not be good at something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, but and isn't that grit? Is is yeah. is sticking with it until you get better? Yeah, and I think and, enjoying the process. And, yeah, I mean, and and, and I mean, we're we all want instant gratification, mm. and so that's raising kids. They don't want to try something unless they're good at it. Yeah. Well, and there's it's a different world, social media, and all the things, and and I found we naturally too think people are watching us and making fun. I realize most people are only watching, care about themselves. So people aren't paying attention to our yes. failures. Yeah. I love it when you walk into the room. It's like I know everybody's looking at me. No, they're not. Right. <laughs> they're thinking. They're thinking. Everybody's looking at me. Everybody's looking at me. Right. <laughs> you, you know. You, you all right. So the one thing you said about uh, your daughters and the, and the transition of kind of thinking. I don't think of it so much as quitting. Mm. Um, I rem, years ago I read this little bitty book uh, by Seth Godin. Yep. It's called The Dip. Okay. And it was just, have you read it? Uh-huh. It's a very simple book, but basically he's like, you have to know the difference between a dip and a cul-de-sac. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he said, great people push through the dip. So it's like when you take up golf, since we love to play golf, we've yeah. played a lot together. You, know, you start to play golf and somebody just picks it up and all of a sudden they're like, hey, they're pretty good. Yeah. Well, so they're fair. like, hey, that's like, wow, that's beginners are like, you know, go to poker. First time I ever played. Oh, I'm, I'm actually pretty good. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then the more they play and the more they think about it, then they hit a dip. Mm-hmm. So they make a, to make a decision right there because they're going to get really bad. They don't know it's coming, but it's coming. You're going right. to get really bad. Even if you've played a lot, you're going to get really bad. Yes. And you have to decide, is this a dip or is this a dead end? Because if it's a dip, I can push through it. But one of the things he talks about is, like he said, I, I can say I want to be an NFL linebacker or play for the San Diego Padres, you know, starting left field, right? You could say all that. But then you you make a decision at some point to say, is that where I'm going to be and where I want to be? Or is, do I need to make a decision to move? Like you made a decision to move into a different direction because you saw, and I think that's kind of what we, that's a, that's an important thing to teach our yeah. kids, the difference right. between a dip and a cul-de-sac. Because mm-hmm. like you said, I, I mean, like that terminology. If, if, if gymnastics is not the long-term future, Maybe some, maybe she can leverage all that skill she's used mm-hmm. into something new that could be something for her to use. But kids, kids are not good at processing long term. Right. And I've entered the stage of where I don't know anything as a parent. Yeah. Of course, you don't understand that. Welcome, <laughs> welcome. Yeah. I think that's a long stage. It. You're, gonna, like, you're, you're right. Gonna, I don't. You're going to be there for quite a while. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> but but it does it does it does come back around. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, no, it's, I I think that is an important lesson, and so with this grit, you know, grit's become a buzzword, and every don't quit and stick to it. Well, there are times where quitting's okay, mm-hmm. or, or the dip, or or the. Well, I mean, if I didn't quit baseball, what would my life have turned out to be? I mean, I don't know. Probably wouldn't have married my wife. Wouldn't have had my children. Wouldn't have gotten the career I got into. And so, I think sometimes, but you have to turn the page. And then you can apply what you've learned to the new thing. Mm. Right? And so, but that's with the children. That's what I'm trying to explain to my daughter. You're not a quitter. Yeah. Like, you were a great gymnast and yeah. you and you learned a lot of lessons. And let's go and apply that to something else. Is that, is that what you were saying earlier that like the, the, the ways that we work, we learn how to work hard in one domain in our life can transfer over to another. So sure. the things that she is learning in gymnastics, mm-hmm. right? Well, she may not be an Olympian, but she is learning hard work, discipline, showing up, team stuff, how to you know treat your body, all those things. Then transfer over to every can transfer over to other areas in your life. Even if you stop one thing here, you're taking all that learning over here. 
For sure. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I, 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 go ahead. Well, I just said that that's why, I mean, wife had talked about that. We're like, look, she's like, don't be too hard on her because I'm trying to push her. Hey, mm-hmm. you're going to be a great cheerleader. And, and, but, and so she's like, she's going to practice five times a week. She gets done with school. She goes right there and she practices till eight, comes home, does homework, repeat. And so hmm. it's good to be involved, mm-hmm. but yes. Oh yeah. I, I think they, I think, I think that's a big thing for everyone to learn is the difference between, I, I don't even know if I'd call it quitting. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I, I like it for, if, if, I don't think we it, need a new, we need another term. I know for because that. it's yeah. almost, it's almost more like a transition. Yeah. It's like a new orientation. We're yes. using that word. Yes. It's a new orientation. Yeah. It's not a, you're not quitting anything. You're taking everything and now you're transporting it to something new, which is the continuation of part of it into a new thing. And that to me is very different than quitting. When I think of quitting, it's just like, I'm done. I'm not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Right. You took the stuff you learned playing baseball, being drafted, going through all that. I guarantee you all of that stuff has continually shows up in your life even today elements of it that made you what you are and i think that that's probably where i think our the young folks today or people that are new to the job force and you know i I interview people in my job and you see them bouncing around from job to job so they think that they have to love every aspect of everything and it's more i think learning to love something like get up every day and do the best you can and learn from what you're doing that's then going to help you later on mm. yeah so i think the big thing it it like when when we talk about the fruit of the spirit right you know which is all these like wonderful things i, I wonder if if like when we talk about grit is really the fruit of deliberate consistent work mm-hmm. like like i if so that that means that it's something i can um i can learn not necessarily something i'm born with Right. I, my my hunch sure. is that some grit comes naturally for some other folks more than others because of personality factors. But to be able to say, you know, I can do hard things and here's the deliberate kind of work I'm going to do. The the fruit of that spirit, so to speak, becomes grit. Is that a right way of looking at that or not? I'd agree. I think it's. I don't know. Back in baseball, it used to be like process versus outcome are you Mm -hmm. a process guy or you an outcome guy right we all want the outcome but if you're focusing on the process and doing the right things putting your time in in the cage watching film getting your reps well you may get to the game and you may hit a line drive right center fielder well the outcome is you failed right you're 0 for 1 but you did everything you could and so it's more like all right I continue to put the work and do the right things, you're going to get the outcome. And so, yes, I think, and back mm. to your point, I'm a believer that you're born, I think we're all born with some grit, but probably circumstances dictate a lot. Something, mm-hmm. Something's innate, but I think I'm a believer that you can you can grow your grit. All right? At least I, I want to believe that. Yeah. It'd be, yeah. That'd be bad that if you couldn't. I, that was yeah. the question I had is can you can you teach it? Can you learn it? Yeah. Can yeah. you develop it? I, I think you're – I mean, I know personally, like, who you surround yourself with is a a big thing. Like, if you're around lazy people, you're naturally going to be lazy. I mean, if you're around people that are smarter than you and more successful than you, you're probably going to ask questions, learn, want to be like them, mimic them. And so I think your surroundings are huge for your ability to 
grow your grit or shrink your grit it's um we, we, we keep talking golf but whenever you play with a group of guys that are way better than you are you learn things you and you play better whenever you play with a group of guys that are way worse than you are you descend into the, <laughs> the pit sure. of hell yeah. all of a sudden. Is that because you're watching because other folks are helping you? Like, what is that dynamic? I don't know what the mentality is. I think mm-hmm. when you're around better golfers, you're kind of wanting to play up because you don't want to be maybe embarrassed mm-hmm. or, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you're only, you only can do what you can do, right? Mm-hmm. So, but there's, there's, so there's a, there's a line like, there's kind of like, the, the highest you're able to perform, mm-hmm. something in that psychologically allows you to tap into that a little more. Whereas if there's hackers dribbling it down the fairway every 20 yards and you're sitting in the cart going, this is going to be a long day, then all of a sudden you lose some focus. You're not, I don't know. I mean, it's, I don't know, it's probably the iron sharpens iron or success breeds success or, or maybe you don't want to lose 20 bucks and have to tell your wife. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all of those what was that Venmo <laughs> <laughs> to charity <laughs> don't worry about it <laughs> Gam- golf, don't, don't put gambling a, a golf charity yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of golf charities here <laughs> so Matt you brought up something and, and I think it's, it's good so you said can grit sometimes hurt you in, in other areas of life mm-hmm. and, and I've had some guests that were tremendous in their professional lives but struggled personally mm-hmm. and I think that's natural Mm, yeah. right? Sometimes yeah. when you're so laser focused on one thing, something else is going to be lacking. Mm-hmm. And so while someone was putting all their time and effort into being the best they could at their craft, I'm not going to say his name, but you know, got married four or five times. Yeah. Um, a lot of marriages. And so I think that can happen. Yeah. Yeah. So grit is, um, I mean, grit is a neutral <laughs> in terms of like the overall character of a human being, right? But what might really produce something beautiful in one part of your life, you're not using that same thing to stick in with other maybe as spiritual or But you could. Aspects. Grit's amoral. Yeah. It's like yeah, money. Right. It's mm-hmm. like money in and of itself is not good or evil. It's like, but what you do with it. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. grit's exactly. the same yeah, right, way. I mean, right. if you have grit, then you can become the greatest baseball player of all time and your personal relationships are horrible Yes, because you're not applying the same focused principles. That's right. Resilience yeah. Yeah. in that area of your yeah. life. Yeah. And it's, you're prioritizing something. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's where the grit man's interesting because you create a term like it's not in the dictionary. And mm-hmm. so it's a good name for a podcast and played into my personal story, but people ask what it's about. I'm trying to d- define that grit men. What mm-hmm. is a man of grit? And so mm-hmm. it's, I'm trying to take the good aspects, yeah. but it's like awareness is something like, hey, look around, notice people, get a door from some, you know, is there a janitor at your building that cleans? Do you know their name? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're in conversation, if uh, someone asks you three questions, do you at least ask one back? <laughs> you know, like if I have to, if I'm playing golf, if I have to get 18 pins and that the other guy doesn't get one. I mean, you don't have to get nine. But I mean, there's yeah. just little things you need to have some awareness. Yeah, you talked about working the process. That's a big Nick Saban thing. Mm-hmm. Love and Saban for Nick Saban. Alabama. Whether you love or hate Alabama, I have learned to really appreciate Nick Saban. I used mm. to think he was Nick Satan because you know I'm from Georgia. Nick but, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> but when I, I've heard a lot of interviews and stuff with him, and he seems like a very pleasant, wonderful guy. But he's all about process, process, not outcome. 
process, 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 mm-hmm. process, process. And if you do the right process, you know, in the gym, if you do what you're supposed to do and you do your tape and you watch what you're going to do, then you're going to end up being. So I think that's one of the reasons why the best athletes gravitate to him is because they have grit. They just need some guidance and control and he's teaching them process. And hopefully that carries on. But he's even said many times that he wants that to carry on into other areas of these young men's life. And that's what I've grown to appreciate it. He's developing men is the way he, he, he sees it. He's not just out to win national right. championships. Right. There's more to him than that. And that's, you know, you can see these videos of him out on the lake in his boat and he's got all the players with him on his boat. You know, he becomes like a dad to him. He wants to model something more than the football game. Mm. And I think that process, you, you said something earlier about, uh, especially I think it's related to, in, to young people. And I think one of the things we've been talking about here is, is a huge mental health crisis with yeah. young people coming out of COVID, everything going on, social media, instant gratification, gratification versus delay. I, I found an article where, where uh, one guy says, this is his two cents, one of the biggest indicators of grit, he says in research, is the ability to delay gratification while working on your task. Mm-hmm. To understand instant gratification versus the delay it and that goes back to your process where you were working in the cage or where you're doing film and then you hit it to the center fielder well there's not instant gratification for the work you put in but then you go back and you keep doing the work yeah and i mean i think That's it's interesting it's learning to love all the little everyday things like one of my favorite movies is uh, lonesome dove hmm. read the book in college Larry mcmurtry he was a professor at Rice, but then produced the miniseries. And, but there's a part where Gus, who's played by Robert Duvall, and he's, he's older, and he's, he's actually kind of courting this younger girl, Lori Darlin, who's played by Diane Lane. And all <clears throat> Diane Lane wants to do is get to San Francisco. And he's like, look, Lori Darlin, <laughs> he's like the old wise guy, but you know he's still trying to get with her. Anyway, it's neither here nor there. <laughs> but he's like, San Francisco is just another town. When you get there, you, whatever your problems you have right now, you're going to have yeah, when you get there. That's right. He's like, you got to learn to love the all the everyday things, like a warm glass of buttermilk, a feisty young gentleman like myself. Anyway, <laughs> and it's it's true. Like, hey, let's let's find some joy. Let's find something in this moment that I can appreciate. No one wants to be around someone that's grumpy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I like people that are happy, yeah, optimistic. So another thing this guy wrote, which I think is interesting, I'm interested in your thoughts on this, is he said that social media provides young people with an instant hit of gratification, a like, a this, or that, or whatever, and that... Or rejection. Or, or yeah, it could right. be negative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that yeah. the social media gives these quick bursts of positive or negative reinforcement but on the positive side do you think some of that stuff takes away from do you see a, a, a young people today not having grit say maybe your generation or the generation before us so i'm i don't even know what i am 41 <coughs> years old so i think i'm whatever around the edge of millennial What's i didn't realize that? he was so young i should have said well, my generation <laughs> yeah. and then your generation yeah. and then the generation I before can, me. i can i you whatever you need me to be i'm be young or old you need me to be john <laughs> but like me i i'm sure growing up i got left out of all kind of things 
right? Like I wasn't invited to the party or the birthday. What? But I didn't know about it because no one posted on Instagram yeah. or yeah. Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Look where you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know. So I didn't get my feelings hurt. Yeah. But uh, today it's true. totally different. Yeah. And um, I mean, it's a big deal just watching you know, my son's a little special needs. And so he's different. But my my daughter, yeah. I mean, and, and girls can be so mean to each other, mm. especially eighth grade girls. Oh, yeah. And so I, I think there's some good. I don't think a lot. I think the bad's probably outweighs the good, though, if you're asking me my opinion on social yeah, media. Yeah, okay, I, I get that. I mean, it's, uh, I just think the, I think delayed gratification or um, yeah. is an issue for everybody yeah. in our culture. Mm. I mean, how many times have you gone through the fast food drive through and it's not fast enough? Right. You're still not getting out of your car. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like you had to, you had to make a fresh batch of fries and take an extra, you know, minute. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's just a cultural thing. We don't have patience. You know, that's the other thing I think too about grit, um, is the patience to watch things grow. Mm. You know, I keep going back to, and you talking about working the process. I mean, you probably were not the player, like you can go back and look and see, okay, the kind of player you were, say freshman in high school, mm-hmm. junior in high school, freshman in college. And then in 2003, when you're on this national championship, I mean, you weren't the same player every year. You probably could even go back and chart noticeable improvement yeah. Right. Oh, for and, sure. And it goes back to me. I'm thinking the process is you learned that the gratification comes through a long period of because you've been there, you've done it. Yeah, and I don't know where that came from. You know, I liked probably a little bit of my parents, grandparents. I mean, I've always, I've always appreciated older people mm. and um, asking them questions, understanding their story, and I think that's maybe what's been lost because yes we've we want it right now and it's a problem like you said watch something grow like a new passion of mine is farming (laughs) don't laugh at me yet farming's hard (laughs) yeah yeah but trust me i have a tomato garden it's hard especially (laughs) in houston when it gets 110 degrees outside right but I mean, I, in my line of work, some days, I don't know if I've went forward or backwards, but I mean, I can go home and see if, if your you know, if your tomato turned a little green to a little red, right? I mean, that's, and, but it's. Or it even made any tomatoes at all. Right. Or a bird ate it or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, kids, I'm not answering your question, but uh, I really think that people need something that reconnects them to like the way things used to be. I mean, technology is great. I love it, but and it gets into the grit story. Like if you if you trace our ancestors far back enough, or genealogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a farmer in there. Mm-hmm. There was a hunter. Mm-hmm. There was somebody that had to get up and walk, you know, miles to find food or grow their own food. And so, me and my son have have taken on a project of trying to farm. We bought some land between Chapel Hill and Brenham, and we're going to be the worst farmers ever. Yeah, it's going to be the most expensive corn if any comes out of the ground, <laughs> but we're spending time together and we're learning and um but that's I, great. Yeah, but it's it's good. I think it's I think man should you know 
plow some dirt and put some seeds in Talk the ground. Talk about delayed gratification. Yeah. Yeah, you that's know, right. I think that was a, a, yeah. the oh, biggest that, culture. That was, that's why that popped in no, my head. It fits. <laughs> See, you, you knew it, you were making the connection. I'm a farmer. Yeah. <laughs> it's delayed gratification. And it's like when you put those plants in the ground, there are things that you know in order for them to do well, there are things you have to do. Yeah. And you got to be disciplined to be able to go back and do that. And if you ignore it, yeah, they'll grow, get crazy, that's might so not produce as much as they would. Have you taken better care of them? Corn, I don't know so much about, but well, I like it. I like corn. Hey, well, I'm gonna put y'all on the spot since y'all are, you know, know more about. So, faith, I think, is a parallel, right? Like, it's like what a great segue. Okay. He could, oh, look at he you. could host look a podcast. You. Come on, you ought to be a podcast. You should. You're not always gonna get. You pray that prayer. You, it, it may, it's not. Get, it may get answered. Mm. It may not. And so, mm. I think that is where some people get off in religion too, and relationship mm-hmm. with is like. Give it to me now. And, mm. um, but I would think it's more about the journey and relationship. It, but I'd love to get y'all's thoughts on that. I, we've been talking about this, of course. We're, we're getting ready to enter into a season of Lent, yep. mm. which is a season of fasting 40 days before Easter. And it's, all, it's designed to kind of strip, strip things away, right? You, you fast from something, you deny yourself something significant, right? Mm-hmm. Why? To self denial. Mm-hmm. to try to focus yourself more on your spiritual life or, right. or whatever it is that you decide that you're working on, but particularly to prepare you for Easter. Mm. And I think that, um, I, I think that's interesting because I was thinking in terms of how faith and grit, tenacity, resiliency, mm-hmm. um, the Bible uses the word endurance, mm. you know, suffering. Yeah, perseverance. Yeah. Produces endurance. Jesus had grit. Oh, yeah. I'm sure he yeah. could have like created a miracle where he didn't have to suffer when he was being crucified. Well, he said, he yeah. said, I, I could call the angels down, you know, if, if I wanted to, but, um, yeah, I mean, he, he knew what he had to go through. Well, look how he came into the world. And he didn't want to go through it. He wasn't born in the Ritz Carlton. No. <laughs> <laughs> A stinky manger. That's right. Yeah. I wonder if the spiritual practices are about that too. Like you, it's, you had correlated kind of awareness with grit and that the spiritual practices are to make us aware of how we're living right they expose kind of the either the ego kind of projects we're involved in or the ways that we're avoiding things and so i think the spiritual practices and lint does that like john was saying like puts us in a place of awareness where we can say one of the psalms talks about search me O god and know me Right, so we intentionally put ourselves in a place of, of that space of saying, I want, I want to know myself and why I do the things I don't want to do, or what are the things I'm doing that really are bearing fruit in this world in a different way. And I think spiritual practices allow us to do that. So it is much more process than it is outcome. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we take care of the process, and the outcome is what it is. You know, that's in God's hands. Yeah. The last thing before we close is obstacles that get in the way Mm. and someone i read said that grit is also tied into how you view and deal with obstacles that get in your way Mm -hmm. it kind of reveals like some people obstacles crop up and they quit sometimes obstacles crop up and they become the victim like it's not my fault woe is me this happened to me mm-hmm. versus the tenacity or the endurance or the grit, if you will, that looks at an obstacle or a problem and, and sees it in a different way, an opportunity. Okay. I learned from an old mentor of mine. And I say this whenever anybody walks in, they don't say it much anymore, but 
if anybody ever walks in to my office or whatever and says, hey, we got a problem, I immediately say, no, we have an opportunity. Right. <laughs> and it's not my line, mm-hmm. but I've, I've loved it and have used it. And it always usually makes people smile for a minute and they go, no, we really have a problem. (laughs) (laughs) But I am, I am the, you know, the the, how we deal with adversity, because everybody's going to deal with the disorientation. Everybody's going to deal with adversity. Everybody's going to have trials and tribulations. And I'm sure in your career, when you were playing ball, you probably had some moments or some obstacles or some trials where you thought you weren't going to get on the other side of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's, there's slumps and baseball there's slumps in marriage there's slumps in yeah parent i mean that you go through that and so i i don't know i mean we there just seems to be such a victim mentality in society today that uh, i've been wronged or i've been harmed or somebody treated me the wrong way which maybe is true but i think a characteristic of grit or grit men or a grit woman is that you take accountability okay yeah what could i have done i, I could have That's done insane. something better there yeah Right. I mean, or, or maybe did did was it my words that made your spouse or somebody respond the way? And it's not always easy. Right? It's hard to do that. But I mean, if you've read any of Jocko's stuff, yeah. that's one of his big deals: yeah. is yeah. personal accountability. Personal accountability. And like, whenever, even if it's not his fault as a leader, you'd say, you know what? I failed you. Yeah. I could have done this better. Mm. Instead of being the first one to say, you know, like, it's your fault. That's right. Extreme. Right. What does he call it? Extreme ownership. Extreme ownership. There you yeah. go. Yep. I think that's. I think there's a lot to be said about yeah. that mentality, and because that's another thing. I, I I keep. I sound like the old grandpa now. It's like these kids these days. We do have gray hair. But I. But I did the same. Thank you. Appreciate it. I do. Talking of the hair, though, we have the we have the the three stages of. It's. Uh, I I will the three stages. talk about you talk about quitting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mine's gray, but at least it's still there. But I I think that. Um, yeah, what were we talking? About? I focused. <laughs> I quit and focused my attention elsewhere. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think. This all I my think time. the. I think the ownership. You, you know, product in that is that I don't, natural. That's nice. He's farming hair. He's farming. I, John, keep going. No, yeah, I, sorry. No, that's fine. It's okay. We're 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 about done. I do think that you know we always say, well, kids these days they don't have, you know, they they they, they all think they're victims or whatever else. I thought that when I was a kid, right. When I was a teenager, yeah, yeah. everything else was somebody else's fault. Yeah, yeah. It was never my fault. Yes. I think it's a maturity thing. Yes. I don't think it's a today's kids thing. Right. I That's know, right. and I know some adults who had never grown out never of that. Never figured that mm-hmm. out. 